Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 123. Psalm 123, a short psalm with basically one theme, a simple psalm. A psalm that we may not at first pass fully grasp and at first pass not fully see how it does fit us in certain ways. The 123rd Psalm, let's all stand together and we'll read this in unison. Together. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I do not intend to be trite in the least when I say we all need someone to look up to. But there is no one on earth that you can look up to that can help you like the Lord can help you when you lift up your eyes to the, to the one that dwelleth in the heavens. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes. If you are observant about your psalms, you will find that as we come to Psalm 120, they are called psalms and songs of degrees. And our best understanding of that little designation is that they were used for progressively higher and closer worship to coming into the house of the Lord. And in the 121st Psalm, which I love dearly, it says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. The help that is being described there is still the Lord, but it's to the hills. But here, it's to the Lord himself that we're looking in this first verse. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes. We look to heaven for our help. We look to heaven for the mercy that the psalmist here is going to ask for. We look to God. We look nowhere else because no one else can help us. The Lord only can help us. And here he is described as the one that dwellest in the heavens. Who lives in heaven? We teach our children from the earliest days, where is God? In heaven. And see, that is biblical. That is scriptural. That is what the psalmist knew about God. And so he lifted up his eyes. To have our eyes horizontal and look to Washington, D.C., or to look to the United Nations building in New York City, or to look somewhere else on this horizon is to put your trust and confidence in man, and you're going to be sorely disappointed. But we lift up our eyes to him that dwellest in the heavens. God inhabits a place that we cannot imagine because we haven't seen anything even close to it to be able to fill our minds with images in order to imagine. 
based on what you are exposed to growing up, is the extent of your imagination. Those that grow up on one side of the tracks seldom leave that side of the, those side of the tracks, that side of the tracks, because they can't even imagine a different way of living because they've never seen it. They've never experienced it. Our God dwells in a place we haven't experienced. The Apostle Paul came back from having taken a trip to heaven, the heaven of heavens, the third heaven, and he said that he saw things there that were unlawful for him to utter. And because there had been a great temptation to talk about some of those things, the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him from being puffed up by his great vision of what it was like in heaven. The little glimpses that we get into heaven, Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Ezekiel 1, are stupendous. We can't even fully grasp some of the human terminology that is used to describe some of the creatures there around the throne of God. But verse 2 tells us, Behold, let's consider this. As the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress... So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. We have said in the first verse that we look to thee. This entire psalm is directed to the Lord. To thee, O Lord, have we lifted up our eyes, thou that dwellest in the heavens. We're referring to him in the second person as our God. Servants look to the hand of their master, because it's the hand of their master that tells them what to do. It's the hand of their master that hands them their paycheck. It's the hand of their master that can release their bonds. It's the hand of their master that can say that an enemy should be taken out of the house that is disturbing the life of a servant. And that is the context of this second verse. It's not the wide open hand of a master giving great compensation for service. It's not the hand of a master directing a servant. It is, as the last part of this verse says, until that he have mercy upon us. And then that mercy is described in the last two verses as being delivered from enemies that scorn and show contempt. And so, as a master, as a servant, a servant couldn't bear arms to protect himself, A servant did not have rights. He had responsibilities. But his master could protect him from violence in the household, from violence from other servants that would mock one or make fun of one or torment or persecute another servant. They would wait for their master or their mistress to deliver them by by showing that that person ought to be taken care of and that enough Stop that kind of contemptuous speech against this good servant. And so that's the context of verse 2 and how it fits verses 3 and 4. Because then the psalmist, he has said, Behold, Lord, the Lord that we look to, we're looking to you, and we have all these enemies around us who scorn us and fill our souls exceedingly with contempt. And like servants who do not have power to deliver themselves, They look to their master or their mistress to deliver them. Deliver us. Deliver us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Yesterday was Christ's Mass 
in our country. We don't celebrate it in order to obey him that dwelleth in the heavens. They scorn us and show contempt toward us by saying, Are you Christians? Are you Jehovah's Witnesses? They come into our meeting house, and we don't have 88 keys to bang and make a bunch of unintelligent noise. And they say, Do you like to worship God? Do you believe in singing? Do you believe in praising Him? They come and find out that we're using a 400-year-old Bible. Don't you know that that language is archaic and outdated? Why don't you people join the 21st century and get one of the new versions that we kick out every six months? We're filled with scorn and a lot of contempt. And, O Lord, arise and deliver us from those that scorn us in our religion. We have those that take our children and teach them to despise our way of worship. That any way is good. You can go as you are. God doesn't care about all those little nitty-gritty details. God isn't a detail freak like your church is. Your church sounds like a cult. We love Jesus just as much as your church loves Jesus. And our church is scorned. And we're filled with contempt. And I hope that you're able to think through your own life and understand that we are different. We are not different to be different. We are different to follow the Lord God of heaven. And when men follow the Lord God of heaven, they will have others scorn them and show contempt toward them. And so it was true of the psalmist. And so he begs God, unto thee am I looking. All these enemies around me are scorning me, and they're showing contempt toward me. They're all at ease. They're all carnal Christians. They have no bondage. They have no accountability. They have no sound doctrine. They only have fables and entertainment. All they've got is praise bands. They go in shorts and flip-flops and tank tops. And I'm trying to worship thee, O Lord, as a servant looks to the hand of his master. and And a maidservant looks to the hand of her mistress. Have mercy upon us. Defend us, O Lord. Shut their mouths. Shut the mouths of the gainsayers and have mercy upon us. Show us a token of good that all men might know that we are worshiping thee according to the scriptures. Show us a token of good in our families that our wayward children might see your hand of blessing upon us. Show us a token of good in our individual lives. Show them a token of your punishment that they have neglected the old paths and they have neglected the right way of worshiping you. O Lord, Our souls are exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease. Those are casual Christians. Those are contemporary Christians. Those are those in casual worship. Those are those that feel that they can do anything they want to. If New Spring were to preach a Bible message today about sin and go to Galatians chapter 5 and list those 17 crimes that we listed last Lord's Day and explain them in just 30 seconds apiece, that church would be 90% reduced next Sunday. They don't dare preach that. If Joel Osteen were to preach that tonight in Houston, Texas, in the Rockets' former home, the 30,000 that are meeting there would be 3,000 next Sunday. And he wouldn't be able to meet his budget, and the banks would be calling that very next week. They don't dare do it. 
They scorn us. They're at ease. You know, Asaph considered it in Psalm 73, and he said, I, I wash my hands. I try to live a holy life. I cleanse myself from everything that I can get out of my life that would displease God. And the others around me do not do it. They're the ones at ease. Then I went into the house of the Lord. And the pastor read Psalm 123 to me. And I realized, oh, there have been others that have been filled with scorn and contempt. And you've delivered them. Noah got a pretty big token from the Lord. Do you know what the token was? The first drop of rain. They had never felt rain before. How long was he scorned? About 120 years. But the first drop of rain. Our brother Matthew has once started a nice little flash animation for our website that showed a family looking at the ark. Noah has just gone in with his family and the Lord closed the door. And the family's standing there and this big drop falls out and hits the wife. And the wife turns to her husband and says, what was that? They're standing there making fun of this man who's just locked his family up in a giant boat on dry land. But this drop comes falling out of heaven in this animation. And the wife turns and says, what was that? Then another one. That would be a token, wouldn't it? That was a pretty big token. They ended up fighting for their lives and their fight didn't work. Because the Lord was on the side of Noah. It's been that way throughout time. Every one of you are going to make a choice. Do you want to be on the side of those that scorn our effort to worship God correctly according to the Bible? Or you want to be one with us and we'll take the scorn of our enemies because we know that we're following the Lord and we'll look unto Him who dwelleth in the heavens and ask Him to have mercy upon us because our souls are exceedingly filled with their scorn and contempt. But nonetheless, we will never leave Thee. We will never depart from Your Scriptures. We love Thee in Thy Word. Help us to stand fast. Psalm 123.